At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number three of The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network, and we've got a tremendous hour for you. It is now officially Friday in all the continental 48 states, which means that we've got to try to get you guys as many winners for this Friday, be able to get you a good start for your weekend, and on top of that, we're going to be taking a look at a little bit of what we're going to be getting at Wimbledon with Scott Reichel. He does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's going to be joining me in 15 minutes. I know that he does quite a bit of NBA as well. So I'll get some of his takeaways from Summer League if he's got any thoughts in terms of Rookie of the Year because I alluded to it in the first hour. We're seeing a lot of overreactions when it comes to these guys and how they're performing in Summer League. At one second, Jed Holmgren is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And the next second, he's the worst thing since pickled livers or something like that. I mean, it's just absolutely insane what we are seeing in terms of that. So we're going to try to sift through the noise with that. And Scott is going to be helping uh, help me out in about 15 minutes with that regard. Also going to be hitting upon a little bit of NFL as well. A little bit of what I like out there in the NFC South because, well, that's been a little bit of topic of conversation with Mr. Baker Mayfield being traded to the Carolina Panthers. What we're all going to be able to get out of that team. So, We've got a lot going on in the sports world. They always say that July is like the most dead month of the year, but I mean, you just take a look at what we're getting out there in the UFC. You take a look at Wimbledon. We're going to have the Open Championship winding up going down uh, right around this time next week. So never a shortage of things to talk about in the sports world, and there's never a shortage of baseball when it comes to this time of year as well. 
How about if we wind up hitting upon a little bit of it and we go 955, 956. This is the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Aaron Ashby is going to be going for the crew and JT Brubaker. He goes for the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Pirates. Find themselves a rather hefty underdog. They're finding themselves in between about a plus 185, seeing as high as a plus 204 where I sit at Circa. And for the crew, you're able to find them in between minus 210 and minus 226 with a total of 8.5. And, and when it comes to the Pirates, the bullpen has actually won all but seven of their games as far this season. And that despite the fact that their bullpen ERA is currently the second worst in the big leagues over the last three days and overall hasn't necessarily been too great, but you do have some good long guys for this team. Tyler Beatty is someone that has been impressing me quite a bit. If you've got a sub-3 ERA, Yuri De Los Santos has been able to give you some solid innings. David Benar still has a sub-3 ERA for the season. And for JT Brubaker, what I think has been big for him, he has been able to translate some of the success they had at home last season to the road as last season he wound up having a road ERA that was nearly two and a half to three points higher than it was at home. And this season, he's been able to reel it in a little bit more. His home and e road ERA, they are darn near equal. And for Brubaker, he's been able to do a nice job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. As last season, he was giving up darn near 1.8, 1.9 home runs per nine innings. This season, more like one home run per nine innings. So he's been able to lessen that. The walks have been a little bit of an issue. Three and a half walks per nine innings. And thus, the amount of innings he's able to fill and winds up going down a little bit more because with walks, that winds up driving up your pitch count a little bit. So a little bit of an issue there. But with Aaron Ashby, I just don't know what winds up warning him being north of a $2 favorite in this spot because with Aaron Ashby, it's just been a little bit all over the place. Now, this is a guy that has absolutely amazing stuff, and he's got ace potential. But with that said, he's got to rein it in a little bit more as well. With Brubaker, I was talking about the fact that he's got about three and a half walks per nine innings. Ashby, a little bit north of four walks per nine innings. Now, he's able to get swings and misses. He has been able to provide a little bit over 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but he's also backed up by a Brewers bullpen that has been a little bit more shaky recently. Josh Hader is still by far the best closer that you're going to find out there in the big leagues, but with that said, you've also seen a case of which Devin Williams has been a little bit up and down this season. Hobie Milner is something I do like for the team as well, but when you wind up getting outside of Williams and Hader, it's not necessarily the world's greatest bullpen, and for Aaron Ashby himself, Posting up just a 1-6 record. Now, he's got a 270 home ERA, but this is a little bit of a Medusa stat because it's home and road splits. You really can't look at them. He's thrown just 13 and a third innings at home compared to a little bit over 45 innings on the road. He's made just two starts at home, seven starts on the road, and has been utilized out the bullpen a little bit as well. So he's been a tad bit over the place. As a matter of fact, he's got as many wins as saves thus far this season. You typically don't find that for a starter, but... And see situation that we've got here. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, just don't have guys that are consistently getting on base for the team. You got one guy, Mark Barrasso, who has seen meaningful at bats for the team that's hitting above a 260 right now. Got a lot of guys like Victor Carantini, Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, Rowdy Tellez. When he's out there, Hunter Renfro, because he's been dealing with an injury, all in between about a 245 to a 255. And I will say for Rowdy Tellez, Lonth William Thomas, these two guys have a combined 33 home runs, but Take a look at the power numbers for the Milwaukee Brewers when they don't wind up playing against the Cincinnati Reds. They're in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis. So, I mean, the Reds have really been able to help them out with that regard. And you do take a look at just this Brewers team in general, their inability to be able to get on base. That does wind up hurting them quite a bit. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've got three different guys that ever since Father's Day have been able to have a three-home run game. Brian Reynolds, Michael Perez, Jax Wisniewski. So, these guys have been able to come through for this bunch now. 
Got a lot of guys that they themselves are not getting on base. Good news is Ben Gamble's back in the fold, which means that he, Brian Ace, and Brian Reynolds, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, in between about a 252 and 260, but the younger guys like Diego Castillo, Oniel Cruz, I mentioned Michael Perez a little bit earlier. They have not been able to get on base. I do like Oniel Cruz. He's only hitting right around at 200, but has been able to do a nice job of being able to give this team some RBI and some big spots. But with the Brewers, should they be a favorite in this spot? And I would say a relatively decent-sized favorite. Absolutely. But I think that this is just a number that has ballooned up a little bit too high. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, if you've bet on them every single time, they've been north of a plus 175 underdog. You're up a little bit over eight units thus far this season because you may recall that series against the LA Dodgers, they wound up being able to sweep that in. Another series against the Dodgers, they won two of three. They were able to take a game from the New York Yankees a little bit earlier this week as a sizable underdog. And when it comes to this Brewers team, I was willing to go up to right around about a minus 190 on them on the money line, which meant that I needed at least a plus 190 to be able to take a shot here on the Pirates. Here where I said at Circa, we're up a little bit north of $2, so I'm going to be willing to take a shot on them. Did wind up setting my total at 8.3. It's a Pirates team that they have been towards bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of runs per game, and then when it comes to Brewers, just not a team that's able to get on base themselves. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under in the spot on the ANF, and going to be taking a look at the Buccos getting a relatively solid plus price. Got a good series that's going to be starting in St. Louis. How about if we go 9.57, 9.58? The Philadelphia Phillies, and throw it, they're going to be facing off with the St. Louis Cardinals as the Cardinals trot out their Wayno, Adam Wainwright. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Zach Wheeler, is, or, or as I call him, Zach Whelan and Neil Wheeler, going to be getting the start for Philadelphia. And Philadelphia find themselves very slight favorites, very slight underdogs as you're finding the Phillies as bad as a minus 111, as good as a minus 105. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, you're finding them as good as even money, as bad as minus 115. So ultimate pick game year with your total 7.5. And I've got a little bit more faith here in Zach Wheeler. I wound up setting the Phillies as a minus 115 favorite because with Wheeler, he's done a great job of being able to keep the ball in the yard all season long, giving up about 0.6 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, that is sub to five. And for Adam Wainwright, ever since he wound up having a little bit of a tough start to the season where in his first 60 innings, he wound up giving up a little bit over 20 walks. He has really been able to rein it in as his walks per nine rate ever since then has gone down to darn near one over his last six or seven starts. So that has really been able to help out the St. Louis Cardinals team. And the Cardinals, they do wind up helping out Wainwright by having a lot of guys that they are able to go multiple innings. Guys like a Junior Fernandez has been able to do that. Zach Thompson is certainly someone that can come out of the bullpen, be able to fill a couple innings for the team. They did wind up having to use up quite a few bullpen pieces in their 11-inning game against the Atlanta Braves, especially with only getting four innings out of their starter, Matthew Libertor. But by and large, a Cardinals team that you're able to rely upon. you got to wonder if the travel is going to hurt them a little bit because they did wind up playing a night game against Atlanta. Now they have to wind up being a little bit tired going back to St. Louis. That is going to be a tad bit of an issue. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, even without Bryce Harper, you still have a lot of power in this lineup. Kyle Schwarber, 27 home runs thus far this season. Hitting about a 220 overall, but on-base percentage that is north of a 335. You've got a Phillies team that is now very confident because, well, they've got the ultimate get-right spot. A start against Yohan Adon of the Washington Nationals, so it always makes them feel relatively good. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, you've got a lot of consistency in terms of this lineup. Kyle Schwarber is really their main guy at being able to get home runs, and you do have a couple guys like A.D.D. Gregorius who will be able to do a solid job of being able to get on base as well, but Got a lot of guys hitting in that neighborhood. I would say about a 240 to a 255 
Matt Veerling, you're able to throw in there JT Ryumuto, and then you also wind up having a few of these other guys like a Odubo Rare whenever he's been out there. He's been able to do a relatively solid job in that regard as well. Alec Bohm is hitting more like a 265, and then Reese Hoskins. He's also hitting at 250 along with Cassianos, but for Hoskins over the last three days, he has been able to hit well above a 300. 17 home runs as far this season. I believe that he wound up winning National League Player of the Week last week. He deserved it because he's really been able to come through. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt getting a lot of consideration for MVP, hitting right around 340, 19 home runs as far this season. Then Juan Yepes, along with Brendan Donovan, they both are hitting above a 275. You got Tommy Edmond, who's been able to give you a bunch of stolen bases. I know that Harrison Bader has sort of been in and out of the fold, but these two guys in Edmond and Bader both are able to give you 17 plus stolen bases thus far this season. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, big thing with them is just being able to have a little bit more consistency in terms of this bullpen because I think that that's going to be paramount for them moving forward because the Philadelphia Phillies, they're a little bit up and down in terms of their bullpen. Right hand, Sir Anthony Dominguez, though. Both of these guys have a sub-250 ERA. Corey Knabel has really been transferred now into the seventh inning, and he's been able to do a good job in his seventh inning role, and Andrew Bellotti even has been able to give you some solid innings. It's a Phillies bullpen that over the last three days, ever since the firing of Joe Girardi, it's just looked a little bit better. It's been a little bit more sound. They wound up changing up the way that they utilize some guys, and it's been paying off in spades for them as they've been in the top half of the league in terms of bullpen ERA ever since the changeover made. So I am going to be taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies in this spot. They might have taken a total a little bit north of a 7.5, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over as well. And coming up next, I'm going to be hitting a little bit upon Wimbledon and going to be taking a look at some NBA futures with Scott Wright Shell of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers as you cover. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever your podcast says. It is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson. Great to be joined by Scott Reichel. He does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Does a great job taking a look at the NBA as he joined me a few times for that. But I know you do a great job with tennis as well. So great to have you aboard tonight, Scott. Thank you. Having me. Uh, it was definitely a lot of fun covering the NBA draft. And I personally did well on it. Hopefully you did too. And I'm looking forward to going through some tennis. Yep, I am as well as now we're getting down to some of these just primetime events that we're going to be seeing. And we did wind up seeing a few upsets in the early rounds of the really both sides with regards to the men's and the women's. I was a little bit surprised that Simona Halep wound up going down. But with that said, we've got a great matchup that is going to be going down very early, 5.35 a.m. Pacific time. Novak Djokovic going to be taking on Cameron Nori. Nori finding himself a big, giant underdog. Any chance for the underdog to be able to come through, or is there any way to be able to reduce the juice if you like Novak Djokovic? Because I'm sure that there aren't a lot of people keen on laying over 2,000 on this. Yeah, I don't know what's more concerning. The fact that Nori's basically a top 10 player in the world and was originally about plus 800, or now he's about plus 900 because more money came in on Djokovic, which is not exactly ideal for him. I'm not picking Nori to win the match. I think you can argue that Djokovic is a top three grass court player of all time. I'm expecting him to win. I know that Nori does have the home court advantage because, of course, he is from the UK. I think if you want to make a play on Nori, consider maybe taking him to win a set, which I believe was plus 140. For me, I think Djokovic is either going to win in three or four. I'm actually looking at a prop in this one, though. 
I like the match to have no tiebreakers at around minus 140 on the no. Uh, Djokovic has played 19 sets so far in this tournament, zero tiebreakers. And if you want to look at Nori, he's also played 19 sets up to this point in Wimbledon, only one tiebreaker. So combined, they're one for 38 in tiebreaker sets, and you're getting it at minus 140. Plus, Djokovic played against Nori at the end of last year on hard court, and he dominated. He won 6-2-6-1. But based on what we've seen up to this point, tiebreakers have been basically non-existent between the two of them. And I do think that no tiebreakers at minus 140 makes a lot of sense if you think Djokovic potentially rolls here to an easy straight set victory. Yep, and that's a good way to be able to take a look at it because the challenge here is just being able to reduce that juice of minus 2,000, which... I mean, I think that Novak Djokovic is going to be able to win the match, but you don't want to be laying the minus 2,000. You wind up landing on the whammy the one time that winds up happening, and boom, that just winds up wiping you out. That's just not any fun whatsoever. And just with the men's side of the draw, it's now so interesting because Rafael Nadal was set to take on Nikirigos in the semifinal. He winds up having to pull out with, I believe, a torn abdomen muscle. So, I mean, that just sounds brutal to start with, but... How does this wind up affecting Kirigos? Because, I mean, the legs are now more fresh, but at the same time, the opponent that he's going to be going up against, they wind up getting a little bit more of a lather. They're sort of in rhythm a little bit more. I think that this is just such an interesting dynamic because it's very rare that you see an instance like this in which Kirigos pretty much gets a pass into the final. Yeah, it's very rare you actually see at this point in a Grand Slam tournament that you have a walkover. And it's a little bit weird that it's supposed to be the Wimbledon semifinals now it's the semi-final because the other one has already basically happened because Nadal ended up withdrawing. But I do think it's a massive advantage for Kyrgios because of the rest. You mentioned the legs, but a reminder against Nakashima, he was suffering from some shoulder issues in the first set, and he did end up having the trainer come out. So the fact that the shoulder didn't really bother him against Green in the quarters, but now he has even extra time to rest up the shoulder and also to not expend it against Nadal because we know Nadal is one of the most annoying players to play against because of him being arguably the best defensive player in the history of the sport. So I do think it's a massive advantage for Kyrgios. He also has the head-to-head 2-0 over Djokovic. He has not played him on grass court yet. I'm not going to immediately disrespect Nori like that and just say Djokovic is going to play Kyrgios in the final, but I personally think that's going to happen, and I'm sure that's what about 99% of people think is going to happen. I think it's a big advantage for Kyrgios, but Djokovic is arguably the greatest player of all time, and it's very difficult to bet against him in a Wimbledon final because he has not lost at Wimbledon in several years. So if you want to follow the rest angle, then I guess Kyrgios is an option if you want to take him maybe to win a set. If he plays Djokovic, I wouldn't mind the over. I think it'll be a competitive match. I think you might see four or five sets, maybe a couple tiebreakers in there. But to answer your question, I do think it's actually a pretty big advantage for Kyrgios because he was suffering from some shoulder issues in the previous rounds. Yep, I do think that it's just so strange to be able to take a look at a situation like this. But I mean, with how many guys, how many just sets these guys have to put in in a tournament like this and how many rounds they wind up going through, I'm right there with you. I think that it is a big advantage for him. And then in terms of the ladies' side of things, the women's final is set as... I was a little bit surprised that Simona Halep was unable to make it to the final, but instead we're going to have Elena Rubikina. She is going to be going up against Onis Jubauer. Jubauer finding herself right around about a minus 155-ish favorite. And I think that this is relatively fascinating to take a look at because and it's a little bit more of an evenly matched one. Certainly much, much less chalky rather than the Novak Djokovic one, which 
you don't have to wind up having to look for as many options to be able to reduce the juice. But what are you looking at in terms of the women's final? So I'm going to take a cop-out approach. I'm just not going to pick a side. I'm going to take the over because I think 21.5 is definitely a game total that seems a bit high. But I think there's a decent chance this match actually goes to three sets. If you want to look at the head-to-heads, they had three previous meetings. One ended in a retirement. There was an injury involved. The other two matches went the distance. They went to three sets. On top of that, Rybakina has gone over 21 and a half games in four of her six matches in this tournament. And Jabor has gone over this number in each of her last three matches. So both of these players have been involved in several wars recently. Uh, Jabor even dropped a set against Maria, who was ranked in the hundreds, and Jabor was a minus 800 favorite, and she still dropped the first set in, sorry, the yeah, she dropped one of the first two sets in that one before winning 6-1 in the third. But I think 21 and a half is a little bit too low for two players that seem relatively even. I think it makes sense Jabor is favored because she's been extremely comfortable on grass, but Rybakina has given her problems in the past, and I do think that she can give her problems on a Saturday. So for me, I'm going to go with the over in games. If you want to go for over two and a half sets at plus 140, I don't mind that either, but I expect a war. Yep, I think that that is going to be an absolutely tremendous match as well. If I would default to anything, I would default to taking the plus money, but I'm right there with you. I think that this is going to be a tremendous match, and I think that we're seeing some tremendous just talent in general at Summer League out here in lovely Las Vegas. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. You did a great job with us taking a look at the NBA draft. Now that these guys that wound up getting drafted, they're out there on the court. What have been some of your takeaways from Summer League thus far? Because we're seeing a whole lot of money on guys like Chet Holmgren to wind up winning Rookie of the Year and things like that. And I think that it's just a little bit overreactionary personally. How do you wind up being able to gauge this? Because we're seeing a lot of movement on it and Personally, I think that these guys are top picks. They should be dominating anything other than that. I would have more concerns rather than a lot of praise for a guy that winds up putting up 20 points in a summer league game. Well, you can argue that summer league is kind of an extension of college basketball because all of these shoe-ins to make NBA rosters are not playing because they've been you know, proven that they're capable of contributing on a regular basis in the actual NBA regular season and playoffs where for the summer league, you have a decent amount of young guys who probably shouldn't be there, but still for experience, like a Josh Giddy, for example, who's clearly good enough to not be in summer league, but because of the age, they ended up throwing him in there as well. Now, my question for you is, since we're talking about overreactions, does that mean that Orlando did not automatically make the right choice at number one because Boncaro outplayed Jabari Smith in one game? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And Chet Holmgren, when he was drafted, oh, this guy is scrawny. He's going to be a bust. And then after one summer league game, oh, this guy is going to be a top 10 player ever. And then he gets lit up by Kenny Lofton. Oh, this guy is trash again. And it's actually Kenny Lofton who's going to be better than Kenny Lofton was in baseball. It's just so wild. And to me, I think that you've got to be taking a look at A, the greatest thing ever, B, the worst thing ever, and just trying to find how far in the middle it is. That's the biggest thing for me. I'm not sure how you wind up gauging it, but, I mean, it's just so wild to watch these people overreact to, like, every single minute of Summer League. Yeah, for me, Summer League kind of just goes right out the window. I think a perfect example of that was Trey Young, who had arguably one of the worst Summer Leagues of all time, and I believe Trey Young's NBA career turned out pretty okay after that. So whether it's good or bad, you know, it's automatically a common thing, especially for NBA Twitter, just social media in general, to overreact and have the hot take that this player is either really good or this player is a bust. But Summer League really doesn't mean much. 
I have been impressed, though, with Keegan Murray. I think he's been very solid over at Sacramento, but we just talked about it. I'm not going to overreact to summer league games. Let me see how they do against actual NBA caliber competition, and we'll go from there. But as of right now, it seems like all of the top-tier guys have looked pretty sharp. The one concern would be with Sharp for Portland, not because of performance, but because he got injured, which is not exactly a good sign moving forward. But for the overall performances, the players have been pretty solid up to this point. Yep, I agree with you. You just don't want a guy to get injured. And Scott did an absolutely amazing job taking a look at Wimbledon and the NBA for us. So big thanks to him coming to us. We'll take a look at the NFC South in the NFL right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Summer Special is here. For just $19, you get everything that VSIN has to offer now until the end of July. Sign up now and you'll be able to get VSIN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's MLB daily best bets. And we've got NFL preseason coverage and premium articles on golf, UFC, NASCAR, and so much more. And if you want the full VSIN experience, this includes daily best bet emails, every single additional point spread weekly, and use of our betting tools and live video streaming. The cost is just $19 to be a subscriber now through July 31st. This is at vsin.com slash summer to be able to sign up for this offer right here at vsin, the sports betting network. And great to be able to have you guys on the look at And a big thanks to Scott Reichel. Did a great job joining me to be able to break down some tennis, what we're all seeing at Wimbledon and on top of that. We were able to dive into a little bit of Summer League as well, which with Summer League, certainly case of which we are seeing some nice wild overreactions. So a uh, big thanks to him for being able to sift that all out through us and realize that Chad Holmgren may not be a top 10 player of all time and also might not be the next Darko Milicic as well. And we're going to be taking a look at some baseball in the final segment, but we were talking a little bit about overreactions. So how about if we wind up taking a look at the AFC or the NFC South right now? I want we're all getting there because, as we know, Baker Mayfield he winds up going from Cleveland over to the Carolina Panthers. Hard to really take a look at the Browns right now because, well, the Deshaun Watson situation that is so looming. We actually talked to Matt Peralt of Props.com in our number one about that, and I mean, there's still a lot of speculation. I've heard people say that he might get suspended for over a year. We're hearing that six games still might be a possibility. If you have any insight on this, you've got more insight than me because, well, this is a pretty unprecedented situation with the way that the NFL is handling that. So thus, we're going to hold off on being able to take a look at the Cleveland Browns as of right now because well, there's no season win total that you can fire in on even if you wanted to. But we are able to fire in on season wins when it comes to the Carolina Panthers and so many of the other teams in this division. And I mean, we're all talking about the Carolina Panthers right now. The team that I really think is intriguing out in this division, that would be the New Orleans Saints because the New Orleans Saints, they want to deal with a lot of injuries. And there's really two teams out there in the NFL that last year, I felt like they were just bit by the injury bug more than any other. That would be, for one, the team out in the AFC in the Baltimore Ravens. I think that they're in for a relatively solid year. And then the other is the New Orleans Saints. And if you're taking a look at the Saints right now, you're finding them as one of the, I guess you'd call them, better teams out there in the NFC. And it is a case in which they do wind up losing their coach in Sean Payton. But you're right now finding their win total at eight. The over is quite juicy on that. You're able to find that right around a minus 135-ish. But I do think that there's a little bit of hidden value on this scene because, for one, 
They get to play against the Atlanta Falcons twice, and you end up getting to play against the Atlanta Falcons. That is certainly going to be able to help you out quite a bit. I think that they are going to be in for a very, very long year. And then you just take a look at the way that things set up for them at the front. You wind up playing at the Atlanta Falcons. That Buccaneers game is going to be difficult, but if there's been one team that has been able to stymie Tom Brady ever since he wound up going to Tampa Bay, it has been the New Orleans Saints at the Panthers. Who knows if it's going to be Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield starting for them. The Minnesota Vikings at home and the Seattle Seahawks at home. Certainly, I think that they should be a favorite against the Seattle Seahawks in that Vikings game. The Vikings may have a little bit of something on them if Dalvin Cook is healthy, but there's no guarantees of that as well. And I think that the defense could be able to propel the Saints to victory there. So, And you could legitimately have this team be able to start off somewhere in the neighborhood of 4-1 and one at minimum 3-2 and two in my opinion. And that could be able to just get things going for this bunch as back half of the season. It's going to be interesting to see what the Browns are going to have for them. They do have to play against a few NFC West teams like the Rams towards the middle part of the season. That is going to be a little bit of an issue for them. But Jameis Winston was really coming into form a little bit last season prior to him getting injured now. I think that there are some people that are maybe a little bit too bullish on Jameis Winston. I'm hearing from some people that's like, oh, he's going to throw for over 30 touchdowns if here the 10 interceptions. And as we know, the 10 interceptions, that'd be the wildest one. And you've got two of the top three players in terms of odds to be a win comeback player of the year on this very team via DraftKings with Jameis Winston plus 550 and Michael Thomas at 7-1. That outlines just what I was saying in general about this team being so banged up. In terms of injuries, they were dealing with some ailments when it came to the backfield as well. So it was a New Orleans Saints team in which Murphy's Law wound up hitting them. And this is still a team that they do a nice job of being able to get pressure on the passer. You know that those big pass rushers up front, they're going to be able to do a nice job of being able to get some pressure now. The big downgrade for the team is the fact that Sean Payton is no longer in the fold. I don't care who you wind up replacing Sean Payton with unless we are bringing back like Don Shula or something like that, it's going to be a little bit of a downgrade because he was able to do a masterful job for the Saints team. Really synonymous with the city as well because I mean, he wound up having his come up well. New Orleans, they were dealing with everything from Hurricane Katrina. They signed on Drew Brees and pretty much Drew Brees and Sean Payton, they were able to be a match made in heaven. These guys were able to do so many good things for New Orleans. Now, it's a little bit of a new chapter for this organization in general. Drew Brees winds up leaving last offseason. This offseason, it's Sean Payton. But do you take a look at this defense? And, and you've got to love what Cameron Jordan is able to provide up front for this team as he's someone that was able to provide 12 and a half sacks last season as well. And we wound up having that big game towards back half of the season against, ironically enough, the Carolina Panthers. And I do think that this is going to be a team that they're going to be able to get that pass rush up front. They wind up bringing in the Honey Badger and Tyron Matthew as well. Team didn't wind up having any like demonstrative draft picks. They didn't wind up doing a whole heck of a lot in the offseason other than bringing in the Honey Badger. But I mean, still, that's going to be enough, in my opinion, with all the guys that they wind up coming back. But the one question that I have, what form of Michael Thomas are we going to be getting? Because, I mean, the last time we really saw him was during the 2020 season. And even towards back of the 2020 season, he was all sorts of banged up. So, I mean, that is really the big question mark during that 2020 season. Wound up having 40 catches. But, I mean, let's go back to what we were able to see prior to that 2020 season. He wound up having 149 catches in 16 games. Season before, 125. Season before that, 104. Season before that, as a rookie, 92. This is a guy that has a very nice track record. If he's able to be 80% 
of what he was in his first four years in the league. You're certainly staring at something that's terrific. And he's a guy that's able to be a good possession wide receiver. And on top of that, he's able to give you the deep threat as well. So he's able to do many great things for the team. They've got Chris Olavi now in that wide receiver core as well. So that gives another weapon to Jameis Winston. And with the Saints, you got to figure that this is going to be a bunch that they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground now. Big question mark is Alvin Kamara. How long is his suspension going to be? Is he going to be suspended? That is what we've got to know right now about this team. But up front, this is a team that's relatively solid in terms of their offensive line. So Jameis Winston, he's going to have time to be able to ponder his options. And I mean, say what you will about Andy Dalton, but he's at the very least an experienced guy that is able to come in if Jameis Winston winds up getting hurt. I mean, we wound up seeing the taste and mail experiment. That was a big giant failure. Ian Book, it is very clear that he is a few years away from even being a capable backup at this point as well. So the New Orleans Saints, if they do wind up losing Jameis Winston, that would still be relatively bad if you wind up taking some sort of a season win total. Odds to be able to make the playoffs at a plus 125. That would certainly put that into the toilet bowl. But that said, they are able to be a little bit more competitive. And I mean, a plus 125 to be able to make the playoffs on the New Orleans Saints, I honestly think is relatively solid value. You're certainly going to be able to get a solid defense. The offense is a little bit of a jury's out situation. You're going to be banking a little bit on health. You're going to be banking on Alvin Kamara not being suspended for overly long, but I think that it's one that's worth taking because, I mean, you've already got a couple wins in the bank with the Atlanta Falcons, who I truly think are going to be pretty terrible this season. You take a look at that quarterback situation, and it's not great. Marcus Mariota, I know that there are some people that are buzzing about him with what he was able to do with the Las Vegas Raiders. When I wound up seeing him, because I actually was a weekend host in Nashville, Tennessee during his rookie year, wasn't necessarily so great. He could never necessarily put it together. I just wonder if he's ever going to be able to figure it out at the NFL level. Desmond Ritter, he's a couple years away as well. When he was at Cincinnati, I was never necessarily overly impressed by him as well. So that is going to be able to help this team out. The Carolina Panthers, when the old saying is, if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got none. And at this point, if you know if Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield is going to be under center week number one, you let me know because I mean, I would say the Baker Mayfield is a little bit of a better option, but I think that neither of these guys are necessarily a top flight option as well. So got a lot of issues there. So I do take a look at what you're going to be able to get out in the South. And no question, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers still a runaway favorite, even though they do wind up losing Rob Gronkowski. Tom Brady is another year older, but I mean, the guy is just an absolute cyborg at this point. So there is that aspect of it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers should not wind up losing games to the New Orleans Saints this season, but I do take a look at New Orleans. A season win total of eight. I think it's a little bit too low. I mean, with all the issues that they wound up having last year, the New Orleans Saints still wound up getting to nine wins, and you've still got the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers, who I don't believe are going to be very good this season. So I do think that the real intrigue out there in the NFC South, it is the New Orleans Saints. I do think that people are sleeping on them just a little bit too much. So those are sort of my thoughts with the landscape of the NFC South right now, more specifically the New Orleans Saints. And coming up here in the final segment, we're going to be taking a look at what I've all got on the diamond on Friday, including what I'm going to be writing up for DK Nation. So I'm going to be tying a bow and trying to get things to the window for you for Friday next, right here on the look at on Visa, the Sports Bank Network. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete for free for cash all season long. 
Enter into weekly prediction pools for to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to be able to join in on the action. Blue Moon, made brighter. 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as always, please do drink responsibly as it is the final segment of The Lookout with myself, Greg Peterson. And we've got an absolutely amazing final segment for you guys. And if you're listening to me live, well, you are going to be getting three more hours of myself here on The Lookout. I don't know whether to say you're welcome or to say I am sorry, but... With that said, if you're listening to the replay of the look at, all the money is going to be coming up next, so you're going to have that to look forward to. Hopefully, we aren't seeing the summer league reactions of Chet Holmgren either being a top 10 player of all time or the worst thing that has ever happened to the NBA because it's probably somewhere in the middle, but guys, they always do a great job of delivering and taking you into a great weekend, and it is my job here to be able to try to find you guys some ways to be able to get to the window. So let's take a look at what we're going to be getting out there in baseball. And my DK Nation write-up is going to be based out there in the American League. As we wind up going 973, 974 on the betting board, this is going to be the Cleveland Guardians. They're going to be on the road and facing off against the Kansas City Royals. It's Brady Singer. He is going to be going for the Royals. And on the flip side for the Guardians, you've got Aaron Savali. He's going to be on the mound. And this is a relative pick'em game within a lot of spots. The Royals being a very slight favorite. The Cleveland Guardians are going to be finding them as bad as a minus 107, as good as minus 102. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, you're going to be finding them really as bad as a minus 115, as good as a minus 103. So you've got yourself a relative pick game here and your total on this game. Most places you're finding it at an 8.5. You're finding a couple straight 9s out there. And if you are finding a 9, that under juice is going to be right around a minus 120. And you're over. It is going to be even money. And this is a spot in which I want to make the DK Nation right up on the Cleveland Guardians money line. I'm willing to lay more in the neighborhood of a minus 118 here. I feel like they should be a little bit more of a favorite because Aaron Savali, he does have the current ERA that is hovering right around a 7, but has been getting pretty unlucky this season. His fielding independent is a 472, and that's not to say that this guy has been like some sort of a Hall of Famer this year or anything like that, but what that does say is that it's a case of which he's been getting pretty darn unlucky, and I do think that there's going to be some positive progression with him. Meanwhile, for Brady Singer, ever since the beginning of the month of June, he has made six starts, and he has been posting up right around a 567 ERA, giving up eight home runs, over the course of his last six starts, over the course of about 33 and a third innings. So he's given up over two home runs for nine innings in that time span. Now, to the credit of Brady Singer, has been giving up a lot of walks. A little bit over two walks per nine innings. Aaron Savali, more than the neighborhood, about 2.8, 2.9 walks per nine innings. So you're able to deal with that. It's just been a case which Savali has been getting really unlucky on balls in play. And when it comes to being able to put the ball in play, the Kansas City Royals, not necessarily the best team at being able to do that as Whit Merrifield has had himself a relatively bad year, hitting a 240, and then got guys, a bunch of guys, got a bunch of guys like Kyle Isabel, MJ Melendez, Nicky Lopez, hitting a 225 or lower for this Royals team. And you really don't have a lot of pop in the lineup. The only healthy guy that has been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers thus far this season, that'd be Bobby Witt Jr. because Salvador Perez is currently out of the fold. And now Bobby Witt Jr. is also dealing with a little bit of an injury. So that winds up hurting a Royals lineup that they really weren't doing a great job to start with. And for the Royals, 14-25 and 25 at home this season. The only team with fewer home wins out there in the American League this season, that has been the Oakland A's. And when it comes to this Guardians team, the bullpen 
it leaves a little bit of something to be desired. They're a little bit below average in terms of their ERA, but you do have a pair of guys in Eli Morgan, same end to just a pair of failed starters. Have been coming into the bullpen, they've been able to do a relatively solid job for this team. Trevor Steven has been able to give you some good innings, and then Emmanuel Classe has been a good closer. They now activate James Karinchek. Hasn't necessarily looked like himself in his first couple times out, but when he's firing in all cylinders, this is someone that could be a good piece for this bullpen. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Royals, they're dead last in terms of bullpen ERA thus far this season as you've really had nothing whatsoever from Emir Garrett, someone that's posting up right around a 6 ERA, Taylor Clark. He's been posting up north of a 450 ERA himself, so not a lot of guys that you can't necessarily rely upon. Jose Kuas was having himself a relatively solid go of it, and now he has started to regress a little bit as well. They've been dealing with an injury to Josh Samon, who is really, in my opinion, their best bullpen piece. I mean, they've been picking up guys like Arodis, Vizcaino, Matt Peacock off the scrap heap. They have not been able to fit. Now they're trying out Wyatt Mills, who's got north of a 6 ERA. So the list of issues goes on and on. And with the Cleveland Guardians, they are towards the bottom of the American League in terms of home runs. As a matter of fact, 28th in the league. But when it comes to this Guardians team, where they've been able to hit home runs, has been on the road at home. It's been a little bit of a slog for them at home. Ironically enough, they've only got... 21 home runs this far this season. They've got 41 on the road, so nearly double the amount of home runs on the road rather than at home. You've got Jose Ramirez, who's been able to do a tremendous job of being able to go yard for the team as well. He's got 16 home runs north of 60 RBI. He's been cooling down a little bit recently, but still has been relatively rock solid for the team. And then you do take a look at what you're able to get in terms of on-base percentage when it comes to this bunch. And got a lot of guys that have been able to step up. Andres Jimenez is sitting right around 300. And then you're able to throw in there Steven Kwan along with Amid Rosario. Both of these guys hitting between about a 280 and a 285. And this is a Cleveland Guardians team that they don't fan. They are the top team in the big leagues in terms of fewest strikeouts on a per-at-bat basis. So that is going to be able to help them out as well. That gives you just more opportunities in general. I know that there's always a debate as to how much striking out winds up contributing to things in general. If you wind up having a lot of strikeouts, does that wind up affecting you in terms of your run production? And I always believe that just being able to put the ball in play, making a guy wind up just making a routine play in general, that does wind up having a little bit of an impact. And the Guardians, at the very minimum, they've been able to do that. So my DK Nation pick here is going to be on the Cleveland Guardians on the money line. And just take a look at both of these starters. Both of them have north of a 4-4 ERA. Both of these guys have not necessarily been in great form this season. I do think that's probably going to look a little bit better here. But even if he does wind up being able to have some positive progression, still not necessarily been the world's greatest year for him. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. Set my total a little bit north of 9. So whether you've got an 8.5 or a 9, I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. And I think that this one is going to be very fascinating as well as We've got Yankees versus Red Sox, 967, 968 on the betting board. It is going to be Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees. And for the Boston Red Sox, we weren't knowing who was going to be starting until after the game that we wound up seeing on Thursday. And it is going to be Connor Siebold who's going to be on the bump for Boston. A lot of places do not wind up having a number on this game. Right now, the lone that ones that I'm seeing here in Las Vegas are the Superbook along with Circa. And where I sit at Circa, the Yankees are finding themselves as a minus 142 favorite at the Westgate, it's a minus 146. And the Red Sox angle between about a plus 130 to a plus 136 with a total of nine and a half. And I think that this is a little bit too low of a price on the Boston Red Sox. I want to make them 
more around about a plus 168-ish underdog, so I'm going to be willing to lay it with the New York Yankees. Cesar Cortez has been giving up the deep ball a little bit, right around 1.2 to 1.3 home runs for nine innings, but has done a great job with sub two and a half walks for nine innings. At home, he's been a little bit better than on the road. His ERA raises by about a full point when he's away from New York, but this is someone in Connor Siebold that he just hasn't made a lot of appearances in general, so I do think that that's going to have a little bit of a negative effect here because this is someone that I mean, he just has not necessarily been able to have great command when he's been out there as well. So there's a lot of issues here. And now you have to pitch in the Yankees versus Red Sox rivalry after you wind up having a pair of guys in Garrett Cole along with Josh Winkowski that just did not wind up delivering great starts to start with. And that means that the bullpens are going to be becoming a little bit more paramount in this game. And the team that has the big bullpen advantage That'd be the New York Yankees. They and the Houston Astros are pretty much 1A, 1B in terms of top bullpens out there in the big league. So that does not wind up playing into the advantage of the Boston Red Sox. And I will say the Red Sox, what they were able to do on Thursday, they were able to do a relatively solid job in terms of their bullpen. But you're relying upon guys like Tyler Danish to be able to hold down the fort. It was so bad for Ansel Robles that he wound up getting DFA'd. A few days ago, he was posting up north of a 5 ERA. Ryan Brazier has happened good for the team all season long. So you've got a lot of issues when it comes to this Boston Red Sox bullpen. Now, what I will say about the Boston Red Sox is that you've got a quadrant of guys. Jaron Duran, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, and then you're able to throw in the Rafael Devers, who all have been able to hit at least a 3-10 for the team at the top of the fold. And Rafael Devers did wind up going deep twice against the New York Yankees on Thursday. So good confidence booster there. But with the New York Yankees, you've got to deal and Aaron Judge along with Anthony Rizzo. They have a combined 52 home runs this season. Both of these guys have been incredible. John Carlos Sen, he's been able to go deep a ton for this bunch as well. Got a lot of guys like Jose Trevino, DJ LeMayu, Isaiah Kinner, Falefa. They're able to get on Mace as well. And with this Yankees bullpen, with having what you've been able to get out of Clay Holmes all season, even though he wound up throwing a couple pitches yesterday, he's still been good for this team. You've on, on down the list got Michael King, who's been able to do a good job. Wani Peralta did not wind up pitching yesterday. He's going to be on relatively full rest. You're at right around a minus 142, a minus 145. Very willing to lay it with the Yankees. Would rather have the money line rather than the run line just because this is such a historic rivalry and we want to sing it on Thursday. Want it being a one-run game there. So going to be taking a look at the Yankees money line and coming up next right here on VEASAN. Depending on when you're listening, you're going to be either hearing me again or follow the money right here on the Sports Betting Network, VEASAN. This is VSIN, the sports betting network. Whether you're a novice or a seasoned veteran in the sports book, VSIN is here to help you improve your sports betting skills. VSIN has assembled the leading team of insiders and him of insiders and him of insiders and him of insiders. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. 
I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.